This information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products, or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is as current as June 9th, 2020. Aloha, I'm Evan Leong from Brain Gain Hawaii, and welcome to today's Save Hawaii Jobs and Businesses webinar for June 9, 2020. Um, hope you folks had a break in between and um, we have a lot of things to go over today. If this is new for you, we have a resource folder with updated memos and previous webinar videos on YouTube. Please make sure you review those documents before asking a question since most of our um, answers are in those documents. Buddy, I think already posted it in the chat area so you can have the links there as well. Please let me introduce our team for today. We have Jane Sawyer, who's the Hawaii District Director for the SBA and our champion for Hawaii Small Businesses. Darren Leong is a specialist in employment law from the law office of Darren R. Leong. Stacey Katakura is the CEO of Accumulus, which is an outsourced CFO and accounting firm. Jeff Harris is a specialist in employment law and a senior name partner at the Torkelson Law Firm. Buddy Leong is the executive director of Virtual Student Experiences and handles our communications, backend, and chat box. Coco Leong is our editor at Brain Gain Hawaii in charge of content, YouTube channel, and podcast. And our newest person on the team is Beckett Wren, who is the head canvasser for virtual student experiences and handles our show notes and helps support the rest of the team. Questions will be taken today through the Q&A module only. It's the button on the bottom if you're on a um, laptop or desktop. If you post it in the chat box, uh, Buddy will probably ask you to post it in the Q&A box. Please upload questions in the Q&A module and we'll do our best to answer those in the latter part of the webinar. Please remember, this is a fully volunteer effort. Our team has personally answered hundreds of questions, email threads, and invested hundreds of billable hours that have been donated. Legal disclaimer for today, this information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, Products or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is current as of now, June 9, 2020. So let's get started with Jane Sawyer. Thank you. Aloha, everybody. Um, nice to be here and uh, tell you about some changes that are going on with some of the COVID-19 response financing programs. Well, it's kind of a good news, bad news day. I think that's the only way to sum it up. Um, as you know, the end of last week, uh, Congress passed a payroll, a PPP flexibility uh, act uh, to help us loosen up some of the boundaries as this pandemic continues on. Happily, we're seeing businesses open up again a little bit, seeing people get back to work. Um, seeing some of the numbers across the country show that PPP is working as people are getting back to their jobs. But how does that work for us? Right now, we got some big changes that happen with the program, but since most of the PPP loans have come in prior to these changes, we still are waiting to see how those will be applied. Um, in Hawaii, we have over 23,000 of these loans for almost two and a half almost $3 billion. 
Um, and that doesn't even count the idle loans that are going on as well. Uh, right now, we have at SBA, they're processing, looking at over 6 million loan applications. And we're only about 12 to 14% through those applications. So I apologize, but some of us are still going to be waiting for some of those results for a while. Uh, hang in there, be persistent, and uh, hopefully we'll start seeing those move a little more quickly. Um, I think some of the changes, we're going to hear a little more detailed observation and report on some of those changes as we move to some of the other panelists today. But um, one of the things that they did have a few things that were questioned as the, the, the reports came out on the changes in this new act. And one of those things is that the deadline for applications is definitely still June 30th. Other deadlines have been extended on into the year, but the last chance to apply, if you haven't done so already, or your friend or somebody who you're talking to hasn't applied, it's still gonna be June 30th. And the thing, key thing is that the bank has to have screened that application and they have to have their SBA uh, loan application number, their loan approval number from SBA when the uh, portal for SBA closes that evening. So if it's not done, I'd, I'd try you know, to get it done before June 30th. So that's, that's one thing I know for sure. There's some others that we're gonna be discussing that we don't quite know for sure what it means, but hopefully the increased flexibility, some of the new guidelines will be helpful for you and your business as you work your way through um, this next reopening phase for Hawaii businesses. I think with Darren. Thank you, Jane. Um, so uh, a couple of, of quick opening comments. Um, one is that we have not updated the forgiveness memo or uh, the memo for employers to incorporate the payroll uh, paycheck protection program flexibility act yet. The reason is that we don't think there's enough clarity in it to do so. Um, so uh, if you're looking for those changes to be reflected in those two documents, they are not yet. We're, we're waiting for guidance. Um, the, the second sort of overall comment is, um, uh, is more just commentary, which is, I, you know, if we go all the way back to early April, the one thing that has remained constant about all of this is that for uh, those businesses who um, did sort of what the, the program was laid out for right off the bat, which was to immediately put everyone back on payroll for eight weeks, and then take 25% of that of the money and use it for uh, rent, utilities, et cetera. Those are the businesses right now who uh, the calculations will be much simpler. Um, for the rest of us, uh, that's where uh, this new PPPFA comes in um, and is certainly not the uh, clear savior of, of all that it has been touted to be. Um, so we're trying to work through it, but uh, I will pass it over to Jeff to give some overview of the changes, and then I'll talk through what I think is a, um, is a decision tree to, to walk you through the analysis. Go ahead, Jeff. Thank you, Darren. Congress made generally eight changes or eight, eight, eight 
different things about the PPP and the PPPFA. Uh, first, they said borrowers may extend the covered period to 24 weeks or December 31st, 2020, if that's earlier, or keep it at eight weeks. First, first question I have when I read that is, well, is it up to 24 weeks or not? The, the language of the statute doesn't answer that question. Hopefully, we'll get a clarification on that. But right now, it says you choose 24 weeks or you choose eight weeks. Uh, second, second thing they did is they said borrower must use 60% of the loan on payroll costs to obtain forgiveness, other than, than 75%. They, they reduce the amount that, uh, that is allowable to use on, on payroll costs from 75 to 60%. They also said borrower may use up to 40% for non-payroll costs. Right? So, so, and, and there was some, some early concern that the, six, the way the language was in the statute the 60% was a cliff. In other words, unless you use 60% on payroll, you got no forgiveness. But a press release, a new and interesting form of uh, government regulation, uh, clarified that the 60% is no cliff. You can use less than that and still get some forgiveness. But, but the rule is 60%, 40% now, instead of 75%, 25 The The... The next thing they did, the fourth thing they did is in, in connection with the forgiveness rules, that forgiveness can be reduced by, uh, if you don't have all the full-time equivalent employees, annual salary or hourly wages that you had relative to one of your base periods, they, they, they changed, changed the timing. They said the borrower may avoid forgiveness reductions by restoring the February 15, 2020 full-time equivalent employees and or annual salary or wages lost by December 31st, 2020. So they moved that deadline from June 30th to December 2020. Question, question the obvious question there, and I've seen it already five or six times a day in our questions is, well, can I just take 10 weeks and restore everything there? That's not clear from the statute. That, that would have to come by further government uh, clarification. Next thing they say, it's a new forgiveness rule. They say forgiveness is available if the borrower is unable to hire individuals who are employed on February 15, 2020, similarly qualified individuals by December 31st, 2020, or return to the same level of business activity due to guidance issued by DHHS, CDC, or OSHA. No, they do not say you couldn't return to the same level of business because of a, a decline in, in business activity because of the governor or the mayor's orders. Six, they say you may obtain forgiveness before December 31st, 2020, and can and still continue deferring your share of 2020 social security contributions. This is contrary to what, what the IRS had previously said. You, you can get your forgiveness. You can still defer your, your, your share of the 
2020 Social Security contributions with half due at the end of 2021 and half due at the end of 2022. In addition, the, the deferral of the payment of principal interest and penalties on your loan is, is no longer tied to any duration requirements. It, it's instead until the SBA sends the, the lender the amount of the loan that you've had forgiven. But that's only if you submit your forgiveness application within tw- 10 months after your covered period ends. And finally, for any loans that are, are issued after um, the effective date of the act, I guess June 4th or 5th, I forget which date it is, there can be a five-year term on those loans. Bef- loans issued before that day, the banker, it's unlikely, but the banker can agree to extend your firm out to five, your term out to five years. That's really a summary of, of what they did. Uh, it's, it, it leaves a, a lot more questions unanswered. Uh, and I'll turn it back to you now, Darren. Thanks, Jeff. Um, so, I mean, let's just collectively acknowledge that the goalposts keep moving everyone has you know most people are have a little bit of frustration uh, at this point um so all we can do is work with what we have um which is what we're doing so uh, in terms of people who have not received a ppp loan and are now thinking of getting one uh it does not look like our local banks are accepting applications but it does look like paypal potentially square uh, some of the fintechs are taking. Um, uh, so with respect to everyone else, which is I think 98, 99% of people on this uh, webinar, question is where you stand now and what happens. So let me, let me try and walk through what the, I think the analysis is. Okay. So for everyone that uh, 75, 25, to payroll costs, non-payroll costs, has become 60-40, as, as Jeff said. It is the same categories of payroll costs, wages, uh, leave payments, um, retirement benefits, et cetera. Um, and it's the same non-payroll costs. There's no changes to that stuff. So rent, utilities, mortgage interest, okay? It's just the proportions have changed to lower the amount that you need to uh, spend on um, payroll costs has been lowered from 75 to 60. The other thing that's happened is for those of you who already have PPP loans, uh, you now have the option of a 24 week forgiveness period as opposed to an eight week forgiveness period. The reason why this is not the cure all to um, using the, the loan and getting full forgiveness is because the loan amounts were two and a half months of uh, payroll costs. And uh, if you, you know, spread that out over at 60% over the, a 24 week period, it's definitely not going to cover uh, even a majority of that time frame. So you're going to, you know, be spending payroll costs out of your own pocket. The second issue is that uh, the 24 week period, if you are taking that one, now becomes the period of time that you have to maintain 
FTEs, full-time equivalents, at the levels of the reference period, and also maintain salary wage reductions. So uh, for those businesses that have held on to the money who supposedly this is supposed to help, um, almost certainly if you take the 24-week period, you're going to have reductions in forgiveness based on the FTE counts um, most prominently because your average FTE levels over that 24 weeks are not going to meet your January, February of this year FTE level, nor are they going to meet the February through June FTE levels of last year. So um, if you are going eight week period, the benefit there is that you are at a shorter FTE reduction period. So if you're doing the calculation there, if you packed in all your employees into that eight week period, you may want to stay there because it, you might have very limited reductions based off of FTEs or salary wage reductions. If on the other hand, you have to take the 24 week period because you've been holding on to the money, um, just know that you are going to contend with these FTE and salary wage reductions that are going to be spread out over that 24 week period. Okay. So either way you go, whether it's the eight week period or the 24 week period, there are now essentially three ways to avoid the forgiveness reductions. So so assume, regardless of whether you're in the eight-week or the 24-week period, assume that you are facing um, you know, reductions in your forgiveness because your FTE levels were lower over either the eight-week or the 24-week period. What do you do? So there are three ways in which um, you can avoid those reductions. The first is, is what we've been working off of, which is the pre-existing safe harbor, which according to the, the forgiveness application said, if you get those uh, wages and get those uh, FTE levels back up to the February 15th level, you get them back up by June 30th, then there'll be no reductions in forgiveness. Well, that June 30th goalpost, as Jeff mentioned, has now been moved to December 31st. So the first ambiguity, and I'm going to preface this by saying all three of these ways to avoid the forgiveness reductions are riddled with ambiguity now. So the first one is the goalpost moved from June 30th to December 31st. We do not know what the rules will say, whether they will say you have to now measure at December 31st, uh, whether they say you can measure at the time of a forgiveness application. We just simply do not know. All we know is there's going to be something that says, if you get your counts, your FTE counts, and your salary wage reduction counts back up by date, um, that it will count as a safe harbor and, um, and wipe away any uh, reductions in forgiveness. The second uh, way to avoid these reductions in forgiveness for FTE counts and salary wage reductions uh, is with the new employee availability exemption, which is part of the, the new PPPFA. So the second method is uh, 
if you have an inability to rehire or fill the positions um, that you previous had had pre February fifteenth, that you're unable to fill those positions by December thirty first. Um, I'm almost certainly there's going to be rules that that clarify this or at least attempt to do so, um, and that is going to be another potential way to avoid forgiveness reductions. I think the, the what you probably can expect though is this measurement will be set way far out in the future because it talks about an inability to return to prior levels by December 31st, which suggests that the measurement period is going to be December 31st or shortly after that. So um, if your forgiveness application is going to rely on this particular rule, I think you are looking out, you know, about uh, six months. The third way to avoid a forgiveness um, reduction is also in the PPPFA. And this is what Jeff mentioned as, as documenting an inability to return to pre-February 15th levels of business activity um, during the period of March 1st to December 31st due to compliance related to sanitation, social distancing, or safety requirements uh, from guidance by the federal agencies that Jeff had mentioned. That is, at this point, filled with ambiguity about how that will be interpreted, what it will mean, um, and uh, I think all we're able to say at this point is that um, it's going to be something to the effect of documenting or certifying that you were unable to return to these levels of business activity for these reasons, uh, which is which is vague, general, um, intentionally because, as we've seen before, uh, the rules have been all over the place and. Uh, we expect this to be no different. So um, with that said, uh, uh, the other things that, that Jeff mentioned uh, are in play no matter what, which is that the deferral of your first loan payment will be after um, forgiveness is remitted to the lender or if you don't apply for forgiveness for 10 months from the end of the forgiveness period. Uh, and then lastly, there's payroll tax deferral, even if you get forgiveness. So um, with that, uh, we will go to some Q&As and pass to Stacy to start um, start tackling some of these Q&As. Uh, if you have particular questions you want answered, vote them up and we'll go in order of the ones with the most votes. Okay, so the first one, um... I think this has been answered, but uh, do we have to keep all employees through the 24 weeks or until December if funds have already been exhausted? Um, can we adjust hours of staff to stretch the PPP funds longer, not going over 24 weeks? So um, right now, based on the guidance, uh, based on the lack of guidance, it's either um, eight weeks or 24 weeks. And uh, as Darren just went over, if you um, adjust the hours of staff, um, they haven't adjusted the FTE um, safe harbors yet so 
if you already spent all the money, the, the odds are likely that the eight week period is a better period for you because um, hopefully that meant that you expended that money on, on keeping a, a high staffing level and then therefore you would have low amounts of, of reductions for FTEs or salary wages. Next question, uh, regarding the owner compensation, and I've seen this question a lot, since the eight week period has been extended to 24 weeks, is there any modification to the restriction that owner compensation is limit, limited to eight, uh, 58, over 52 of 2019 compensation, or has it increased? Um, nothing has been increased formally yet. Presumably they will adjust that for the 24 week uh, covered period. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I would not be super confident that it will be 24 50 seconds for owners, but I would I would think that it will likely at least be 20,833, which is two and a half months worth of $100,000 compensation. But again, we have no idea. We're just you know we're speculating on this one. We have to wait and see. the The rule that said the cap was fifteen thousand three eighty five was straight up a rule from the SBA. So, eliminating that rule or or making the amount higher is going to come in the exact same manner. It's going to come by rule. Sorry, go ahead. I'm trying to get back up to the top. Hold on. Okay, next question. Since the use of peril has been extended past sixty days. Uh, I, I rehired my 10 employees May 1st, and now I would like to lay them off for two to four weeks to collect an employment and then rehire them. Is that acceptable to still qualify for grant status? Um, so again, that hasn't really, there hasn't been any updates to the safe harbors, but um, you know, th there, you're still required. Um, if you do that, you're gonna have trouble meeting the FTE uh, requirements. Uh, next question. Uh, we are filling out the Hawaii unemployment form for an employee who did not accept all work. And now there's a question that asks, was this employee covered under the Paycheck Protection Program? Um, I haven't seen that. I don't know if Jeff, you want to comment on this question? Um, I know in the last, uh, one of the last IFRs, uh, in our final rules that was released, um, there was a requirement for employers to report uh, that you had to the state unemployment office that you had offered an employee back. So this is probably uh, a result of that. Jeff, you're, um, you're on, you want to unmute? Oops, the answer to that question is yes. That, that's tied, that question in the form is tied directly to the PVP rule that if you offer them a job and, it, and they don't accept it, they're not entitled to unemployment. Okay, thank you. Next question is how to return the $10,000 IDLE grant. Um, we've been asked this a lot as well, and I think um, I think in practice what the best thing to do is, um, since you were supposed to reduce, your, your PPP loan amount was supposed to be reduced by the amount of the IDLE grant that you received. If you received both the full PPP loan amount and the IDLE grant, um, I would recommend that you just contact your bank and try to return the the, um, the funds back to your bank versus going through the SPA. And the reason for that being is um, once you uh, properly go through 
forgiveness application and your forgiveness is reduced by the amount of your grant, you're going to have a balance remaining on your PPP loan um, for the amount of the grant. And so if you don't want to, you want to accrue interest um, on that, that balance, uh, I would just suggest that you prepay that amount now if that's what you want to do. Um, so next question, are we now allowed to use funds for as many payroll dates within the 24 week period as our, as our loan proceed allows? Same with non-payroll costs within the percentage um, limitations. Um, I believe that's the, I mean, I think the question is, uh, you, you can, yes, you can allow for as many payroll dates in the 24 week period. Um, and the, um, I'm not. I'm actually not completely sure what the question is answering is asking, but you do have 60% um, of your loan proceeds can be used on payroll costs during the entire 24-week period. Uh, next question: I am an S corp and pay myself a modest salary, but I also take a regular member draw, which puts me above the hundred thousand um, forgiveness. Have you heard if owners? S Corp companies are on payroll are able to also count member draws as part of their payroll expenses towards forgiveness. Um, and the answer to that is no. So if you're an S Corp, um, if you're S Corp uh, owner, you should be on payroll. Uh, and so it's just your payroll uh, that uh, is eligible for forgiveness. Stacy, can I go back to that last question, please? Sure. The one on the eight, eight weeks and 24 weeks. Uh, and extending the payroll. No, right now, the way that your choice is you have eight weeks or 24 weeks. And as Darren explained, you only have two and a half months of, of loan. And so the way the statute reads right now, if you want to choose the 24 weeks, you, you, you only, you only, the initial forgiveness rule is you need to keep up the FTE and the salary for that entire period. And, they're not giving you the money to do that. Okay, so the only then you have to go to the other forgiveness exceptions. But it, under the basic rules, the way it's set up is you have two and a half months, which by by my count is ten weeks or eleven weeks, and you can choose either eight weeks or twenty-four weeks. But if you choose the twenty-four weeks, the, the same rules still apply. Number number one, you you keep the same FTEs during the entire 24 week period. Number two, that you keep their, that you maintain their, their salary or wages and, and, or that you, if you don't do that, that you bring them all back at the on December 31st, or that you satisfy one of the exceptions you get the OSHA, um, HHS or, or uh, the other government agencies. Um, prevented their requirements prevented you from doing that. But th that's why Darren initially started out. If, if you got it all done and you've got forgiveness in the eight weeks, take the eight weeks because there's just so many ambiguities with taking the 24 weeks. Thanks, Stacy. Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Thank you for, for doing that. Uh, yeah, I want to agree. I think um, for businesses who are, um, the, the 24 weeks really only helps businesses that uh, haven't, will not re uh, experience a loss in revenues, a significant loss in revenues for 24 weeks because they are still operating and um, not closed due to a 
uh, state uh, or county mandated shutdown. Um, so next question, I took PPP a few weeks ago, but not, did not pay it myself since I took PUA. Can I resign from PUA and start pay, paying myself at any moment as long as it's within the 24 weeks of the date I received PPP? So I think um, I can ask both Darren and, and Jeff to comment on this, but you should not receive um, PUA benefits uh, during the term of your PPP covered period. Um, I don't know if you guys wanna add anything. To that. I, th I think I think the way in which potentially um, there there's a clear benefit is for solos. So uh, the the PUA benefits end on July 31st, right? And so it was sort of a choice between PUA benefits or PPP. And I think at least for the the solo. Uh, which is not going to have these issues of of FTEs because they are the only FTE, and and presumably they shouldn't have the salary wage reductions. Um, they can take PUA through July 31st, and then presumably the 24 weeks extends past that, and then you can use up the full PPP funds, you know, post July 31st. Um, that's, I think, how it's going to end up working. But again, pretty much everything we say comes with a caveat, which is there's going to be substantial rulemaking to come. We've been surprised by rules in the past, and uh, I don't see any reason why this would be any different. So you, you have to keep watching and see what changes, what's clarified, that sort of thing. Uh Next question, can the payroll costs be up to 75% or is that at least 75%? Could we, in theory, spend all PPP funds, PPP funds on payroll? And the, the answer to the second question is yes, you can, in theory, spend all the PPP funds on payroll. And just as a note, the 75% threshold has uh, been reduced to 60%. Um, next question, if we have a 40-hour-a-week employee and they are sick or miss work for some other reason, how does it affect your FTE calculation? And I think the um, the the reason for the the missing work um, it it would depend on how it affects your FTE calculation. Um, if they're sick and are getting paid sick pay, um, you, the the FTE requirement is uh, for hours paid, um, not necessarily worked. Um, if they are on uh, if they are on a um, workers comp or TDI, I think that the answer to that question is a little bit different. Um, next question, I'm doing 100% of payroll for PPP. Is this okay? I'm an independent contractor. So I think uh, Darren and I just answered that question. Uh, answer is yes, that's, that's okay. Um, Next question, if the idle grant will be deducted from the PPP forgiveness, is a 60-40 percentage based off the initial loan amount? Basically, are, we are giving back the idle, or is the calculation based off the total initial loan minus the idle grant? Um, so the idle, the 60-40 the percentage is based off of the initial PPP loan amount, because that's the maximum amount that uh, you would have been eligible for based on two and a half months of payroll costs. Um, the forgiveness amount is uh, if you received the, the idle grant and the full loan amount, then the forgiveness amount is, is reduced by the amount of the idle grant. 
So next question. For payroll costs, the expense must be incurred and paid in the eight-week or alternative pay period. For benefits, including health and retirement benefits, um, can, does it incurred and paid rule also apply? Or can it be, um, or as in non-payroll expenses? So I think, I think the three of us, I'm going to speak for this, but I think the three of us are in agreement that it's uh, incurred or paid within the eight-week period. I agree. So uh, next question, we got funded on April 17th. However, our pay period starts from April 16th and we did not bring our employees back to the following week, uh, the 20th. Does this qualify for the alternative payroll period? We pay every two weeks. Can I have my alternative pay period to be 5-1? So the alternative covered payroll period is uh, available to only employers on biweekly or weekly payroll. So you would qualify for the alternative payroll period. Um, and it was uh, because you got funded on the 17th, you can start, um, you can elect to have the alternative covered pay period be the next, um, the next pay period, which would be May 1st. So you should be okay there. Um, Next question, as a one member LLC, now that eight weeks is up to 24 weeks, can we use all the approved funds for remote payroll? Um, answer to that is yes. Uh, next question, my eight week covered period ends June 27th. Will I be able to prepay my July rent within my covered period or can it be paid after June 27th? Um, I would recommend that you prepay, if you want to uh, include the July rent, that you pay it before June 27th, because it would be paid or incurred, and clearly um, July rent wouldn't be incurred within your, your covered period. Um, next question, for payroll costs, the expense must be incurred and paid in the eight-week or alternative. This looks like it was a, the, we just answered that, so it was a duplicate. Um, next question, is FTE required to be maintained for extension time of 24 weeks for forgiveness? Um, and so that we were waiting for, we'd like to see some guidance on that. Um, as the language currently states, uh, you would still need to maintain the FTE count. Did you want to add something, Darren? Uh, I think the language as currently written is actually quite clear that it's, it's the forgiveness period, including the period that you measure FTEs for is 24 weeks. But yes, I would, I would throw in the caveat that this would not be the first time where rules are issued that may explicitly appear to be contrary to what the statute says. So I, I would not rule it out of question that there could be a rule that, that changes that. And this panelist throws out the bet to the other panelists that SBA will probably say you get to choose eight weeks within the 24 weeks. <laughs> um, I mean, anyone's, it's anyone's but, guess. But, but that, that's, yeah. that's Las Vegas. That's not a informed pro projection. <laughs> Stacy, back to you. <laughs> Uh, our eight-week period closes this Thursday, which is in the middle of our pay cycle. We have already ex exceeded the 60% necessary for payroll costs over this past seven and a half weeks. Should we run an extra payroll this week to be in the eight-week period or simply keep our regular payroll cycle since we've already attained the 60%? 
Um, so I think you should be fine if you have expended all your funds properly. Um, you wouldn't need to. Uh, you wouldn't need to uh, spend more funds on payroll, and, and presumably you have uh, you have forty percent. Um, you have other non-payroll costs that you can use to spend the forty percent. I think the decision relies on what your FTE and salary wage reductions will be under either measurement. So, you know, the one with the more favorable, uh, you know, the least amount of FTE reduction so that you have the least amount of having to contort yourself into these safe harbors or employee availability exemptions. That That's the path that you're likely going to go. Okay. Jeff, I'm going to ask you the next question because um, I know you talked about it before. Um, how much bonuses given is too much bonuses? My eight weeks is up and I have money left over from what I want uh, that I want to give my employees. They already got bonuses in their last two paychecks. We can't answer how much is too much. It really depends on, it should depend on your business reason. Are you just, are you just giving the money away or can you have a good justification when you talk to the banker based on hazard or different duties or the distress of working in the, in the facility. I'd also, I'd also add that it, since 7525 became 6040 that, you know, it may be a situation where instead of a bonus, you, you, you might have rent to pay or something like that. So depending yeah. on the individual circumstance. Uh, I'm going to keep on answering questions and you guys can jump in if you want to answer any of them. But oh, oh, no, you're doing great. <laughs> um, when is the, the best time to fall for forgiveness? Um, so that's a good question because I think we don't, I, I, I think you'd want to probably, if you can wait um, because your loan won't accrue uh, interest and there's payment deferrals, you probably want to fall for forgiveness once there's better guidance. Um, issued like you know what jeff said and, and the, what jeff's bet is is that the um, sba might issue guidance that you can pick eight of the 28 eight weeks within the 24 weeks um and once they get better guidance of uh, what that 24 week period uh what qualifies under that 24 week period so um if you there's no harm, I think, in, in delaying your forgiveness application. And I would also kind of um, bet that the, the banks are not going to want to uh, accept forgiveness applications until they have further guidance as well. But, but, but if you did what Darren said at the start and you employed all your full-time equivalent employees from the first day you got your loan and you kept all the salary up, salary and wages up and you're pretty darn sure, sure that you're you're going to get full forgiveness and you'll lose sleep not knowing that then then submit it okay but if if you have questions um and and you'd prefer to put off th that part of the loan that will be a loan for as long as you can you have t you have 10 weeks you know you have 10 weeks to do it Ten After the, the close period. Ten, ten months. Ten, ten months, excuse me. Okay, so the next question is, uh, can employees claim unemployment if businesses receive PPP funds? Um, so I guess that would depend on whether or not the employee was offered their job back. Um, if you, if uh, they didn't, 
we weren't, if they were available and didn't uh, get offered their job back, then they, uh, they can claim unemployment. Uh, next question, if an employee's hourly wage is the same uh, from Q1 2020 through the covered period, but the hours are reduced uh, during the covered period, are you still uh, eligible for full forgiveness? And so to answer that question, there was a safe harbor that, um, that allowed for uh, the, the pay rate, um, maintaining, this, uh, maintaining the same pay rate, uh, had to reduce the hours that wouldn't, um, that wouldn't count in the salary rate wage reduction. Do you guys wanna add anything to, to that? Yeah, the answer to that is yes. That yes. question answer is yes. Yes. Okay. Um, next question, we are filing under the Hawaii unemployment form online for an employee who did not accept all work. And now there's a question that asks, was this employee covered under the Paycheck Protection Program? We do have a PPP loan, but this employee was not paid under the PPP last week. How should we answer this? Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If it's a, it's, Scott says it's a yes or no question. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, next question. How, how long do we have to accept the idle loan that is offered to us in the initial email offer? Is there an expiration date on those? And I believe, um, Jane can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you have six months to, um, to accept or deny the, the idle application. Yes. I think that's right. No. Next question. Uh, our eight weeks is coming up next week. Do we need to ask the forgiveness after that or we can ex or can we extend to until 24 weeks? So it's either uh, either or you can you can choose for the eight week period or the 24 week period, whichever is works out better for you. So next question. Within the 24 weeks, we can choose can we choose when to run payroll? Does it have to be consistent through the 24 weeks? In other words, can we stop now if we've been using it, then start again once we are open? So um, that again, I think will help, will be difficult for you um, to meet your FTE, to maintain your FTE for the entire 24 weeks if you do, um, if you do stop payroll for some portion of that time. Uh, the only addition I have there is that that's what we we've explained repeatedly. It's just not clear. Okay. They, they, they gave you 10 weeks of loan and they're giving you 24 weeks to spend it and keep all your employees and, and keep all their salaries and wages the same. So, so it, it, it needs to be clarified. Yeah, I mean, this is just as some commentary because this is the situation that many businesses, I think, are currently in, right? They have substantial amount of PPP funds. They did not expend yet. And now with this 24-week period, the question is what to do. But the reason why these businesses did not expend the money is because they they determined or felt that the the forgiveness rules were not certain enough for them that if they expended the money that they were confident, you know, mm -hmm. that it would be forgiven sort of despite uh, anything that, that we or, or the rules might have said. And uh, those businesses, you can do these contortions of stopping and then starting payroll back up and that sort of thing. But almost certainly you're going to 
be facing down, you know, at least under the current language, forgiveness reductions based on the FTEs. And then uh, I think Congress thinks that, well, that's all solved by this new employee availability exemption. But I mean, it's anyone's guess how that's going to be interpreted. And uh, I think you're staring down. If you thought there was uncertainty before, um, then there is at least as much uncertainty now, I think is, is my point. And if, if, if you're going to work with the eight weeks, work with the eight weeks. If, if you can't work with eight weeks, all you have now is a substantial amount of ambiguity under the 24 weeks with some different exceptions that haven't been clarified yet. Yeah, the one the one area where there was where there was clarity from the start and that has not changed is using the the full pay keeping people on full payroll. I mean, it's the paycheck protection program keeping full payroll for that 8 week period so that there are no reductions on FTEs or salary wage reductions and then the remaining 25% of funds uh, got used for rent and utilities. That is the scenario that at the beginning was laid out as the sort of go-to scenario, what the whole purpose was. And if, if you fall within that, then don't change it. That's, that's a full forgiveness scenario and is just as clear today as it was back then. That is the it, one it, it, scenario. Except, except now you have a greater flexibility to use more of that 10 weeks or 11 weeks of money you got to use it for rent or things yeah. other than payroll costs. That's, that's the one flexibility that the eight week people have. Except that if you do that, say you, you go 60, 40 over the eight weeks, 60% on payroll, mm-hmm. 60% will not cover a hundred percent of your payroll for eight weeks. So it, it, let, let me restate that 60% of your loan amount which is two and a half months of payroll, will not cover 100% FTEs at full pay for the eight-week period. You will end up having to cover that out of pocket. So I don't really see the difference um, in terms unless of, you, of... Unless you have a bunch of 20-hour... Uh, unless you have a bunch of hourly employees that are working 20 hours instead of 40 hours. It, it, there may be people in that situation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. It should also be interesting to see what happens with, I mean, I, I think a lot of you ha- are starting to get your idle loans uh, approved um, and whether or not you can use idle loan funds for a portion of the 24 week period. Um, right now you can't use idle and PPP loan uh, funds for the same purpose, but um, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, so next question, if loan received when it was 75-25, can this still apply or is it changed to 60-40? So it's, uh, I think you'd want to, uh, the 60-40 um, is an easier uh, bar to hit. Um, if you have spent 75% of your loan proceeds on payroll, I think that's uh, that's even better. Uh, there's, you're, you won't get penalized for doing so. Um, 
Next question. Regarding the hourly wage reduction, is SBA asking whether the hourly rate, rate decreased or total wages were decreased as a result of lesser hours worked? So the hourly, that wage reduction, um, as long as you maintain the same hourly rate, but you had to reduce the hours, um, you still, that, that you meet that safe harbor requirement. Uh, next question, if our payroll, if our approved payroll costs and rent payments for the covered period exceed the loan amount, is it okay to enter zero for a business utility payments on line four of the PPP loan forgiveness calculation form? I presume that any month entered under line four needs to be accompanied by supporting documentation. So this, so hoping this, uh, that this approach would minimize unnecessary paperwork for the lender. And you're correct. I think if the only, the only amounts that you need to enter on the forgiveness application is the amounts that you are, you're requesting forgiveness for. So if you don't, if you don't need to, to use uh, utility expenses to meet the, the 40% now, um, uh, you don't need to submit that. Uh, next comment. I spoke with the SPA today and they said that if we got the 10,000 after the PPP loan, we did, we do not have to reduce the loan amount by that. Um, that's, uh, that's news to, to me because I think in everything that we've, uh, that's news to us. Yeah. Um, everything that we've seen, there's, there's actually a, a specific line of application that, that addresses it. Okay. You can end on the next question. <laughs> <laughs> Bulldog in the background. I guess he was walking around, but that's a it's a pug. <laughs> and his name is Tony. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, glad we clarified uh, everything about PPP today. Um, uh, I mean, the press release from the SBA and Treasury says that uh, rules will be coming out very soon. Well, I think it's a shortly or soon or something to that effect. So uh, when that happens, then we will be back. Um, but, uh, you know, thanks for sticking with it. And um, hope you guys have a great rest of the week and uh, hang in there. Okay, take care.